0: You are listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson, exploring biblical prophecy for yesterday,
1: today, and tomorrow. Welcome back to Prophet Pearls. This is your host, Keith Johnson, along with my friend Nehemia Gordon. I am still without my suitcase. We are in the third recording. I have no suitcase. It's been three days and two nights. I'm looking for a miracle. Three days and two nights
0: with the same underwear.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, folks, we're here in uh, the land of Israel. (laughs) Yeah, we're in the land of Israel. We said we would do whatever it takes, and we literally are doing whatever it takes. Uh, Nehemiah and I are here. We're we're actually getting into an amazing passage, but I have to tell you before we get started, Nehemiah, I've had a bit of a crisis in this uh, safe house that you have me staying in. I was up at about four o'clock in the morning. Uh, and as you know we're, we're folks that don't know, we actually can't sleep in the same place because we don't have two places. You've got a place you're sleeping in. Bubby Dina's I'm here uh uh
0: in the in the safe house and we're recording here. There's only one the... bed really. And, and can, oh, I, can, sh- I show, can I share a really funny story? So I wrote to the people that we rented this place from and I said and I, and I wrote to her in Hebrew and I said um I said, you know, uh my partner and I will, will uh you know need the apartment. And, I, you know, in Hebrew, that word partner is, is, is ambiguous. And since there's only one bed, I think she, you know, leapt to some conclusions, perhaps. But no, yeah. somebody say separate beds. No, no, no. <laughs> what talking about. I'm at my some, mother's house. And her that, no,
1: <laughs> but we're, we have this place available so that we can record at any time. And so I actually thought last night yeah. that we might record early in the morning. I woke up at about 4.30 in the morning, sent you a note, and you didn't respond. So, uh I got in a little trouble and I a started a wonderful to,
0: omelet and I had a great breakfast. <laughs> yet
1: I have nothing in the refrigerator. I haven't had anything to eat. But the good news is, is I, uh, uh, this morning, I had a little bit of a, a push in and uh, we're okay. going to get right into this profit uh, pros. I want to thank our friend Dominique from Tampa, who's actually our profit pro partner. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he, he stepped in uh, early in the process. Dominique, thank you so much Ta-da. for this. We're in uh, Isaiah 43 and for all the people that have been. Uh, supporting us in this process. you know, We had to do something that was not on the schedule. We had to fly in to the land of Israel. And there's so many things that are going to take place in the next couple of weeks. One, that we're going to be recording. But two, I just think that we're here. It's kind of a setup. I mean, I want to tell everyone yeah. right now, I do think it's a setup. I, I um, woke up this morning and was really confronted with something that I've really been struggling with. And it has to do with why I so love this process that we're in of sharing the word of God with people. What I don't like about sharing the word of God is that sometimes people can look at you and say, okay, you're going to be the great teacher. You're going to be the sage. You're going to be the one that's going to give me all the information. And I've never had that sort of situation with you. We've always taken the approach that we want to give access to the information for people. Now, that doesn't mean that people are going to go through the same process that you did. Now have Gordon from the Hebrew University who spent all these years and, and the things that I've done. They're not going to always do that. But I think that our approach, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, our approach is to give them the ability to see for themselves what it is that we're talking about. And that is really important to me because I think there's so much going on right now where that's not the case. I was actually listening to something today that really vexed me and it had to do with people that were promoting the idea that you cannot know the Torah unless you've got a rabbinic commentary. That If you don't have the running commentary... You literally can't know it, which means,
0: obviously, not only could you not know it, you couldn't teach it. And I I, I vehemently oppose that. Well, it, it means something else as well. It means that if you read scripture by yourself, you will be deceived by the words of God. Because you will think you understand them, and in fact, you need the interpreter, you need the translator, you need that intermediary. Without the intermediary of the rabbis, you cannot understand the word of God. That's what the rabbis claim. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what I'm all about as a Karay Jew is, no, I want to engage the word of God myself. I want to engage with the creator of the universe, read his word, and I believe it is knowable, but w- without, without the intermediary. With, and, that's, and that's what I've always been about. You know, is empowering people with information. That's what my ministry of Core Hebrew Foundation is about. It's not here. I'm going to spoon feed people the answers, but I'm going to present them. Look, here are the sources. Go check them out for yourself. Own Mm -hmm. the information for yourself. Mm -hmm. And and, you know, Karaite Jews have this saying um, that it's better that you get the interpretation wrong but you got it by yourself than that you blindly follow somebody else. Because Mm -hmm. if you blindly follow one of the teachers of the diaspora, when we don't have prophets, we don't have. Um, you know, the temple with the high priest ending with the Ur-Metumim. When you don't have that, then then um, every every reading of scripture is somebody's interpretation. And at least when you engage it yourself, it's your interpretation based on the information that you have in your relationship with the creator of the universe, rather than blindly following the words of a man. Mm-hmm. And if you blindly follow the words of another man, who's a, you know, a flesh and blood human being, not a prophet, that, and it's not the word of God, what you're doing is you put up those words as the Word of God. And that's basically idolatry. Right.
1: And, I, and I, you know, and here's where the tension comes in for me because I've so much appreciated many of my friends, rabbis and others that are, have spent their life uh, learning the Word of God and teaching the Word of God. I've been really blessed to be able to interact with people like that. The struggle that I have is that it, it, it almost seems like there's like a pulling out of the rug from under people that, that literally they can't know. They can't have access. There's no There's an impossibility for them. And that hasn't been my journey. My journey has been to have to learn each letter and vowel and consonant. And it's still a process. It's a lifelong process. But I love having the ability to open the word of God and to see it for myself and then to begin to ask the question, how do I apply it in my life? And I do believe there's a spiritual aspect to, to, to the word of God and reading and understanding and asking for discernment. And for wisdom. And also interacting. What we're doing, Nefemia, we're interacting with each other. I want people to feel like they can be encouraged to interact with the sources and all that. But when you get to the place that says you cannot, you cannot understand it unless you have someone else tell you that's where I feel like the line has been crossed. And that's just for me something
0: that I've been struggling with. So, so. you know, look, I mean, this isn't on the topic of Isaiah 43, but, uh, you know, actually the day this is supposed to be broadcast, uh, March 21st, 2015, Mm. is the day that if we find the Aviv Barley... That will be the beginning of the Hebrew year, the sighting of the new moon. If, mm. if everything goes the way we expect it, maybe God has other plans. Yes, um, and and you know, uh, it's interesting. You, you know what you're saying. It, it's inspiring me to. I, I want to. Can I read you something? Sure. That I wrote uh, in 2011, um, and 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 really, what I think you're saying is that when we engage directly with the Word of God, there's a struggle. When you go and you have the rabbi spoon feed you, then there's complete unity. Everybody agrees, and not just the and, rabbi,
1: Nehemiah. Let me just let me let me yeah. be clear. It's not just the rabbi. From my per- tradition, we've got the people, whether the
0: bishops, the preachers, the
1: popes, okay. and everyone and else. And
0: there's great yeah. comfort yeah. for many people in following, in blindly following what the pope says, for mm. over a billion people. Mm. And there's great comfort for for you know millions or hundreds of thousands of Jews who blindly follow what the rabbi says, mm. and they don't have to think for themselves because it's scary when you have to think for yourself and engage scripture. And you come to the verse and you see, wait, there's a contradiction there. And there's something I don't something understand. I don't, understand. I don't and, know and, what it and, is. And, and, it's, and it's much easier to say, well, here's what the rabbi says it is. I don't need to think about it and activate my brain. But then you're not engaging with the word of God. So I don't know if you remember this, but in 2011, we went down to Egypt. And it was a time when Mubarak was just overthrown. And here's what I wrote to people. Um, I, I'm re- uh, I wrote a little piece called Aviv Shmaviv. <laughs> yeah. And look, I think the Aviv is extremely important. But I think sometimes... Uh, what we do is, is we, we focus so much on truth that we've discovered that we, you know, we're focusing so much on the tree that we forget the forest. Right. And, and look, I'm, I'm more guilty of that than many people because as an Aspie, I have a tendency towards that. Um, so I was reminding myself more than You're others. You're still riding that Aspie bus. I, absolutely. I'm sticking with that. <laughs> All right. Many people call for unity, but what they really mean is uniformity. This is what I wrote. They claim unity is... Uh, actually, I want to go back here and... Right and, there. In the, that was a great statement. No, it, it is. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, I, you know, and there I'm quoting myself. Um, but no, I'm going to jump ahead. I'm not going to read the whole thing. People can find this online on my website, NehemisWall.com. It's called Aviv Shmaviv. But here it is. I got some real insights into unity last week with, when Keith Johnson and I were down in Egypt. Unless you've been serving on a deep water submarine or stuck in Canada, then you know Egypt is a country still recovering from 30 years of rule by a brutal dictator. Now, you know, people have such a short memory, but at the time, this was the top story. In it the was world. huge. Keith and I had the opportunity to sit down with several Bedouin men in Nueva on the shores of the Red Sea where the Israelites crossed over from slavery into freedom. I asked them what they thought of the overthrow of Mubarak. One young man, I don't know if you remember this. Yes, one I young think. man was nostalgic about the fallen dictator, insisting that as bad as he was, at least there was, quote, unity under his rule. This young Bedouin man has never known the basic freedoms many of us take for granted. He was terrified by the quote division that now racks his country. Mm. I realize that political tyranny creates unity at the cost of freedom. Just as spiritual tyranny creates unity at the cost of truth Mm. and the individual's relationship of faith with God. And and to me, that's what this is about. That's what this Prophet Pearls is about. It's about let's show people a picture, an example of what you can do if you cast off the chains of spiritual tyranny and engage with the word of God yourself. Mm. And look, we don't agree on many things. We don't see eye to eye on many things. And that's okay. You know, p- some people might look at this and say this is complete chaos. There's division. They're confusing us. Mm-hmm. And and what that is is those are people who are struggling for the first time in their life with with encountering freedom because mm-hmm. freedom is challenging and it's mm-hmm. scary. And it does appear that it's division. But what it really is is that you're engaging with the Word of God, and it's true. There's this false unity, but this is this is truth.
1: You know, what's interesting, Nachmi, a lot of people ask the question about why we do this. And this is a very this is a very rare situation because I am not uh, a person who's looking to f- figure out how you can let me know, hey, how can I become a carrot? How can I become Jewish? How can I become the next uh, uh, great rabbinic uh, you know teacher or, or sage or whatever, anything like that? I know who I am. I know where I, I come from in my heritage. And I've joined myself to the God of Israel through understanding the word of God in its language, history and context. I'm excited about that. I don't need to do anything else, even though we've had this discussion. Do you, you don't need forth? to jump to the rabbi's I'm not jump Otherwise, through. you don't count. Yeah, you don't count. Well, this is what they'll tell <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, but but let me just say this, and, and I want to say this in, in sensitivity. Uh, I do believe there is a there is a process that we, we need to go through to understand the Word of God. We've got to go through that hard process of under- getting some of the information. What I struggle with is... Is when people don't have any of the information, they simply go and get the opinion of another person, and then they bring that as authority, and then start beating people over the head with the opinion of this other person as authority. And that's what I see is running rampant, and that's what I don't want to be a part of. I want to give people access to the information. So this is kind of what I've been struggling with all night and now we're going to get into Isaiah 43, but I think there's some you know, amazing you know things when, in you, this when you brought this
0: up, did you know Isaiah actually addresses this exact issue? No, I had no idea. I wish you had waited until we got to the things. verse <laughs> cuz we're going to have to talk A about person. this when we speak about yeah. it. Well, let's do, let's Isaiah. start out let's but get now, into
1: before it. we get start I wanted to say something. Do you find it's interesting that um that Isaiah 43:21 starts at the end of it's a It's the end section. of a prophecy. Yeah, yes. I mean, and so... It's, it's sc- completely disconnected from the context. And I just don't, you know, again, I don't know where this tradition is coming from. These people yeah. picking, like, but this
0: is an example where it's like, yeah. you know... Well, so specifically, it, 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 there's, there's a, a prophecy, Isaiah 43, verses 16 to 21 in the Hebrew is a unit unto itself. Mm-hmm. And our section here of the prophet pearls, of, of the weekly prophet portion, read in many synagogues around the world, begins in verse 21. at the At the tail end of that prophecy... And I wish we had time that we could go through the entire prophecy of Isaiah 43, no, 16, But I say we just you know, jump into the next prophecy because mm. then we'll have a context. Yeah. Well, we do um, we have to at least say this. Uh, the
1: people uh, for, who yeah. formed it uh, for myself.
0: It's, it's, uh, I'm sorry. If you can. You're, you're twenty one. Can you tell me what? The people 43- that, I cr- uh, that I formed for myself. Yes. Um, they shall tell my praise, which is yes. a beautiful verse. But what's the context? It's completely cut off. But whatever. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go to verse 22, mm-hmm. which is now a new prophecy.
1: Okay. Awesome. Okay, <clears throat> reading in uh, I'm reading in the NAS here. It yes. says, "Yet you have not called on me, O Jacob, but you have become weary of me, O Israel." And you know, again, we're going to be dealing with these. Um, you know, when we get to Isaiah in different sections, especially with Isaiah and others, there's like this poetic thing that's going on. You know, here's the statement. Here's another statement to confirm it. You know, here's a statement. Here's another statement to confirm <laughs> it. So we want to know what we're reading and how we're reading. It's not like a narrative. We're not reading. Uh, and Abraham walked down the street and did da 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 da. Right. We well, and, and most happening. prophecies
0: in ancient times were very very short. Mm-hmm. You know, we think about the prophecy of Jonah, where we have uh, we have the example of how it was given. Mm-hmm. We don't know how these prophecies were given. We just right. have the prophecy without the story behind it. The prophecy of Jonah was four words in Hebrew, 40 days and Ninveh is overthrown, period. And that's his entire prophecy. Walks through the city for three days, back and forth. Just shouting out, 40 days, and Ninveh is overthrown. 40 days. So imagine. So here we've got a prophecy, Isaiah 43, verses 22 to 24, which is its own unit in Hebrew. Now, yours translated, it said yet. Yet. And that implies that this is a continuation of what came before it. But in Hebrew, that's not entirely clear. It just says Mm -hmm. and. Yeah. And in Hebrew writing, and can open up an entire book. Like, we're actually, this week, as we're recording, this is pre-recorded, obviously. um, As we're recording is the week of Purim. And um, and the book of the book of Esther begins Vaihi and it came to pass, or literally, and it was in the days of Achef And some people look to that who don't know Hebrew, and they say, "Wait a minute, and yeah. well, what is what is it following?" And it's not following anything. And it can actually open up a new thing in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where it opens up, it says and. Now, there's obviously a theme connection to the previous verse, which is why the prophecy was stuck here. But the original context of this prophecy was three verses by itself, verses 22 to 24. Yes. And um, and it's interesting. There's a contrast here, for sure, but between verse 21. He's saying, they tell my praises. But then verse 22 is a different message altogether. Exactly. You don't call upon me, Jacob. But which one is it? Exactly. Well, that's because originally these prophecies were not connected and in the hebrew text you still see that you see there's a break after 21 and before 22. Mm
1: -hmm. so it says you've not called on me o jacob but you have become weary of me o israel you have not brought to me the sheep of your burnt offerings nor have you honored me with your sacrifices i have not burdened you with offerings nor wearied you with incense next verse you have brought me not sweet cane with money oh you have brought me not sweet cane with money Nor have you filled me with the fat of your sacrifices. Rather, you have burdened me with your sins. You have mirried me. uh, You have uh, wearied me with your iniquities. So we're talking about this issue. It it, it um, transfers from the issue of the sacrifices to something, if I can say this word, uh, it's more personal. It's like, okay, here are the offerings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Rather, what you've done is you brought me your sins rather than bringing me sacrifices you brought me, you've burdened me with your iniquities.
0: Well, and, and, and I think it's significant that, you know, and obviously this is a tradition that we read mm-hmm. this section along with the portion of, of Leviticus mm-hmm. chapter 1, verse 1 through, um, let's see, it's through, you know, that's this is the portion for Vayikra, which is mm-hmm. Leviticus 1, 1 through 526, which is the central section in the entire Torah on the sacrifices. Mm-hmm. And so they chose, whoever set up this tradition, chose these verses um, really as, as, as a, you know, okay, yes, we've got to bring sacrifices, but it's not just about sacrifices. Amen. Um, And, you know, the the sacrifice is, in fact, most sacrifices have nothing to do with sin. Mm -hmm. Most sacrifices in Leviticus are uh, sacrifices that were brought by by the priests. um, And it wasn't for the individual who had sinned against God. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and there's this theme that we're going to come back to again and again and again in the Mm -hmm. prophet pearls, because it's in the prophets. I don't know that we need to talk too much at length about it here, but this theme that comes again and again and again, which is that God wants obedience, not sacrifices. Hello, and it's not that sacrifices aren't commanded in the Torah. There are certain rituals that will be carried out when the Messiah comes, according to Ezekiel. We read that mm-hmm. in uh, one of the Ezekiel sections. It's in four, chapters 40 through 48 of Ezekiel. There will be sacrifices at the end time, and some of those will be for sin offerings, but... but But that is only once there's obedience. If there's no obedience, you know, he doesn't want it. I always think of it this way. I
1: always think of it this way. I think of the sacrifice as
0: being uh, um, um, an overflow of what's
1: happening in the heart. Here's what you do. I think of the story of Cain and Abel. You know, Abel comes and he brings his his, uh, offering. Cain brings his offering. People argue, oh, it was the wrong offering. No, they're, they're both legitimate offerings. But it was how it was that it was brought. What was the heart? What was going on on the inside? And that's, and that's what God what says, says to him. He
0: says, Im if, yeah. you, if you do well, there 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 if will you do well, will not be forgiven. If yeah. you not do well, if yeah. you not don't do goodness, then there was going to be sin crouching at the door. Right. Um, Got to I love verse twenty-five. Honestly, we could read verse twenty-five and, and we'd be done. Yes. Um, it says, "I'm going to read it in Hebrew. Anochi, anochi, who." I, even I. That's how your English has it, yes, right? I, yeah. even I. And it's the word just. It's just the word anochi. I twice as an mm-hmm. extra emphasis. I, I am the one who erases your inic- your transgressions mm-hmm. for my sake. Isn't mm-hmm. that beautiful? It is. God erases our transgression for uh, His sake, and I love the word for erases here is mocheh, which is literally to blot out. Mm-hmm. Um, now people hear all the time about blotting out. What does that mean? So back then they didn't have. Um, they didn't have erasers. Mm-hmm. They didn't, you know... I don't even know if the young generations know what whiteout is. Did you have whiteout in your generation? Yeah, of course. That's
1: how you made yeah. the paper. Yeah, right. The, so yeah. the
0: British call it tipex. Yeah. Um, it, it's where you take like this material and you put it and it, it, it's actually white paint or something like that mm. that covers the mistake. Um, they didn't have that in ancient times. What they did is they would write on parchment and um, when you wanted to get rid of a word that you... If you wrote the wrong word or let's say you had a debt. This is, this is actually the image here. Mm. There's a certificate of debt and the debt says... Keith owes Nehemiah $300. So it says it in the letter, and there are witnesses who sign it. And then when Keith pays the debt, what happens is there needs to, you don't just tear it up because then there's no record. How do we know that it was paid? So what happens is the scribe comes along with water, and he puts the water on the ink where it says the debt is owed, and he dissolves the ink. Mm-hmm. And that is... That's literally what to blot out means. To blot out, in, in biblical Hebrew, this word, is it a word that implies water, to mm-hmm. dissolve the ink? Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, I, even I am the one who, uh, who blot out, literally, who, who dissolve with water your transgression for my sake. So there's a certificate of debt that God has against us for our transgressions. Mm-hmm. And God is going <laughs> to, he's the one, no mm-hmm. other, him, he's the one who's going to blot it out. For, uh, for his sake and he says mm. and your uh, transgressions your sins literally I will not mention mm. I will not remember as well it could mean wow that's yeah. awesome so God's saying you think you need sacrifices you think you need this blood you think you need this um, you know this incense this you know the, the, the slaughtering of sheep this is not what it's about mm. I'm the one who's going to uh, blot out your, your transgression not the sheep not the not the incense not the fat of the of the sacrifice it's mm. going to be me so you got to deal with me Amen. don't hide behind your sacrifice
1: no do me a favor nkhim yeah. I want you to look at something while I, I make a comment on this I want you to go sure. to uh, anohi Anochi. and see yeah. how many times that oh, okay. shows up and while you're doing that one of the things I would like to share with people this is uh this this verse really um connects to a verse that for me for the longest time has been uh, such an amazing verse that I hard to wrap my mind around it it's in psalm 103:12 i think it is it's in psalm 103:12 and yeah, it says as far as the east is from the west so far has i have i removed and i think is mm-hmm. the idea of of as far as east from the west And i think to myself 12? yeah i believe it's 103:12 it might be different in yours Yeah. Um, as far as the east of the west. But what I wanted you to look for is how many times... Has, he he An- has removed, he... Our, yes, removed yeah. our transgression. Yes, removed our transgression. Anochi, anochi. Yeah, so
0: three times we have anochi, anochi. Okay. Twice okay. is in the passage that, that we're reading. Once mm. in 4311, once in 4325. Mm. And the third time is Isaiah 5112. Amen. And so this is clearly a, a phraseology that, you know, is, is appearing in, in this part of Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty cool. So, but I think what's interesting, he says, as
1: far as the east is from the west. And I used, used to put my try to put my mind around what that means. And that just means it's, you can't... How far Actually, will
0: we be forty removed? Yeah, 43.11 is in a previous section that we're not getting to. It's yeah. in the prophecy we skipped. Where he says, I, Anochi Anochi Yehovah, I, even I am Yehovah, and beside me, besides mm-hmm. me, there is no savior. Mm-hmm. I love we're going to get further into that yeah. also. So yeah, this removing transgression east from west, it's going to be that far away. Mm-hmm. As far as we can possibly conceive as human beings, yeah. uh, he's going to remove our sins. Well, now well, no,
1: let me say this though. So yeah. I know we're going to do 26, but 27 is, is really connected. It says, put me in remembrance. Let us argue our case together. State your cause that you may be proved right. Then he does this really weird thing. That's not really so weird when you read it in Hebrew. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Your first forefathers sinned, and now here's the connection. And your spokesman, it says here in the NASB,
0: mm. have transgressed against me. Well, now, can you read that? There's and, so much to talk about yeah, in this yes. verse. Yes, let's take it one thing at a time. Yes, uh, it's he's You have your your forefathers. Yeah, yeah. Your that's first really forefather. your first. Four, that's really interesting because um, this is um, this. What translation is this? NASB, NASB, which yes. is a Christian translation. Am I right? Would yes. you say that? Meaning, mm-hmm. this wasn't translated by Jews, was it? Um, and in the in the Hebrew it doesn't say your forefathers, it says your first father. Yep. Um which is let me just see if there are other translations that agree with what it says in Hebrew. I'm you know, I don't know, let's see, JPS, which is the Jewish Publication Society has. Your earliest ancestor sinned. Yep. And it's in the singular, there is no plural. Mm-hmm. The thy first father hath sinned in the King James, and in the Hebrew it's very definitive. It's Avicha. Your fathers would be Avotecha, your father's, and here it's the one father. And um, it's very interesting. We have this concept here. Uh, what is it? Who's the first father that sinned? Yeah. Well, is it talking about Abraham? Yeah. I mean, is, Maybe it, it, is, it, is it, talking it Jacob? About, is, it, is it Abraham? I think is it's it, got to be Adam. It's got to be Adam. And then here's the interesting thing. Um, if you were coming from the Christian perspective, you could take this and say this is original sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but we definitely have this concept in, in, in the Tanakh that, you know, that... You know, each person is really responsible for his own actions. That's the Tanakh concept. But mm-hmm. but there's no question that all humans are going to suffer today from the sin of Adam. And why is that? Because Adam was commanded, don't eat it of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. And he was never commanded not to tre- eat of the tree of life. That's, right. that's not in there. That's in the, in, the rabbis actually say that. I don't know if mm-hmm. you know that. Mm-hmm. But um, that's what I was taught growing up, that he was commanded to eat not from, both, not from one tree, but from both trees. But actually in the Hebrew, in the, in the original Tanakh, in the Torah, it's only he's only forbidden to eat from the tree of knowledge, not from the tree of life. And he, eventually, it's possible he would have eaten from that tree of life and lived forever. But mm. instead, he chose to violate God's commandment. And that is a picture. That's a picture of the Torah, which is, you know, through the Torah, we have this opportunity to once again eat from the tree of life and live forever. Um, and I'm not just making that up. That's in Proverbs 3.18. It says, it's a very famous verse. It's sung in the synagogue. It's a tree of life to those who grab hold of it. The Torah. Did you used to sing three. that? To you? I did. Are you serious? Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, you know. So he, here's an example where um, where we have this idea in in uh, in um, in the. You know, in Genesis, and then it's sort of explained in Proverbs that the Torah itself is the tree of life, and that's of course in Deuteronomy. It mm-hmm. talks about, "I placed before you the, you know, the, the choice between life and death, good and evil. Choose life that you may live." So, um, so we definitely have this idea that yes, Adam sinned, and therefore we're on the line. Mm-hmm. I've got, to, you know, I can't just go eat from the tree. I've got this. I've got a, you know, now I have, but I get a second chance, yes. and my second chance is by eating from the tree of life, which is the Torah. Um, and uh, so it's interesting. He says here, your first father uh, sinned. And it says, umilitzecha pash'ubi. And your, what did you have there? Mm-hmm. For militzecha, you had your, uh, what did you have there? Spokesman. Your spokesman have transgressed, yes. <clears throat> your, your have transgressed against me. I love it. Your spokesmen have transgressed against me. So, yeah. So, what, the, so here the King James has your teachers. Mm-hmm. The NJPS, the Jewish Publication Society, has your spokesman. Oh, is that what you're reading? Spokesman? Yes, says, and your spokesman, yep. Okay, so, but that's an NASB. Oh, that's two translation of the spokesman. So literally, Melitz in Hebrew is an interpreter. Mm-hmm. Your interpreters have transgressed against me. And the place we find this word is in Genesis 42 verse 23 mm-hmm. and it talks about the brothers are standing before Joseph who is the viceroy of Egypt <clears throat> and they don't realize that it's Joseph they don't they think it's some Egyptian he's dressed like an Egyptian he looks like an Egyptian he's mm-hmm. speaking Egyptian and so they're talking amongst themselves in Hebrew <clears throat> and it says and they did not know that Joseph heard literally or understood Benotam, for there was a interpret for the interpreter was between them, mm-hmm. in other words, the brothers would speak in Hebrew, and the interpreter would translate that into Egyptian. Mm-hmm. Um, Joseph would speak in Egyptian, and the translator would translate that into Hebrew, so their brothers were talking amongst themselves, not realizing Joseph knows what they're saying. Because uh, they don't need the translator because mm-hmm. um, he doesn't need the translator. He speaks Hebrew. And um, and that, so that's what a Melitz is. Melitz is not a mm-hmm. spokesman. Mm-hmm. It's actually an interpreter. Mm-hmm. And he's saying here, your interpreters have transgressed against me. And, and I wish you had you know waited uh, to talk about this whole issue of we need the rabbis to know what's in the Torah because mm-hmm. they are the melitzin They are the interpreters. They are the translators. And um, the translators aren't always reliable. The interpreters aren't always reliable. That's the message here, that there were people even back then who maybe weren't translating it from, uh, you know, I don't know, from Hebrew into some other language, but they were translating the Torah into the into the daily lives of the people. Mm -hmm. And God is saying those translators who are telling you, here's what the Torah really means. Mm -hmm. Those were people who had transgressed against God Mm -hmm. and he's the people he's calling to task. Um, and what, and this to me is, is a warning that we must not blindly follow what the interpreters do. And, and and what's the message here? The message here is, um, God is saying, let's get rid of these interpreters. Let's get rid of these intermediaries. Mm-hmm. And that's another translation of the word melites, is intermediary. Mm-hmm. Um, God saying, I don't want to have the situation where there's the translator, the interpreter, the intermediary between me and you. I want this direct interaction with you because the interpreter, they might transgress against me and lead you astray. Mm -hmm. And I love the picture of Joseph. He's sitting on the throne Mm -hmm. and the eleven brothers are standing around, or ten brothers, how many there were then, and they're talking amongst themselves and they can't interact directly with Joseph. They've got to have this intermediary, this interpreter Mm -hmm. and God's saying, let's cast out the intermediary, cast out the interpreter. I want to talk to you directly Mm -hmm. because those interpreters have transgressed against me.
1: And isn't it isn't it amazing, though, But part just human nature that, that says, you know, and we go back to the mountain where we see God speaks and the people say, hey, we don't want to hear it from him. <laughs> you know? I mean, sometimes if we hear right. from him, it's overwhelming. And so what do they say? Right. Let, you know, you speak, you speak to him, he'll speak to you. And again, we, we hear the story about the fact that that was, that was the right thing that needed to happen. Right.
0: But the beauty is that yeah. now we can go now we can, and we can hear the can Torah. Hear the Torah, Torah. We can hear exactly yes. what Moses heard. Imagine yeah. that. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's not just Moses coming out and saying, Oh, you don't need to know what this is. Just trust yeah. me. Yeah. This is the application of the commandment. You don't need to worry. Don't worry. your pretty little head about it Here, no, I can read the Torah and hear exactly what Moses heard. He recorded it word for word. That's how powerful the Torah is. And why would I want to go and hear what the interpreter, what the translator has to say, when I can go and hear it for myself? And here's, here's where I know that there's a lot of people that are listening that do get so
1: frustrated because they think, well, how will I be able to understand it? Because I'm reading through this translation, I'm reading through that translation. And that's one of the things that I've really been dealing with Nehemiah the last couple of years is mm-hmm. how to help people get a chance to interact with it as, it as it was written. And, you know, there are lots of challenges. There are issues that we have to deal with grammatic issues, grammatical issues and things like that. But I think with where we're at in society right now, there's so many wonderful tools that people can use. And I want to help. And I know that this is something you and I've talked a lot about, is being able to give people that, that access to the information. You just did an amazing study um, this last, uh, last week, which is now a few weeks ago. And you were talking about um, this whole issue of um, people praying to Jupiter. There's a big controversy about the name Yahweh, back and forth. But what I loved about what you did is when you talked about the sources, you said, here's the source, and then the people could go and check that source. Right, you could disagree Versus with them, me, but yeah, go look for yourself. Yeah, 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 and I think, again, I wanna keep beating this drum that, that again, in this passage, he's talking about, look, here's what happened with the, the, the interpreter. You know, the interpreter transgressed to get me, but isn't it, isn't it wonderful that we actually can interact with this information? And so I wanna continue to do what I can to help people get the, the tools to do that. I know that's also been what you did, and the most controversial thing you ever did Uh, 13 years ago was say, okay, here's the access to the information. And then for me to make the choice, do I want to go through that process? And I want to create ways for people to stay, kind of have that same process, maybe not the same you know, abusive process where you were so tough on me. <laughs>
0: you, wasn't were, you were, to hire you was a hard. You I'm a tough teacher. Look, so I. But, but, yeah. but let me say, yeah.
1: there are ways for people to learn, and, and as we go through profit Pearls in the next few weeks, I'm going to try to give people some uh, some hints towards how we're going to do that. But I really do think this is a beauty of what we're trying to do. Nehemiah, is to give yeah. people
0: a chance to Empower learn. How people with yeah, information? That's what my ministry is all yeah. about. Yeah. And, and you know. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that study I did on Jupiter. And what I really did is I said, here are the sources. Go check it out for yourself. Right. And look, you can look at those sources and say, I don't think that's what they say. I don't agree with you. And that's fine. This Just this morning, I got a, a long epistle, a very long email from a gentleman who had listened to the study. And he said, look, here's why I can't accept, you know, this, this and that. And he starts talking about these prepositions and the vowels of the prepositions. And I was so blessed. I think he's wrong. But I was so, I was, I was so blessed because he had listened to what I had to say. He went and checked the sources. And, you know, he came to his own conclusions. And I'd rather somebody do that, even if they end up disagreeing with me and being wrong, than to blindly accept what I say. Mm-hmm. Because really, it's, it's not about me. It's about the creator of the universe. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the thing, you know, what, what some people will do is they'll say, you know, this is what our holy sages say. This is what our holy rabbis say. And there's really nothing to check or, or, or to, um, yeah. to um, you know, to, to employ, uh, you know, independent thinking, you know, based on what Scripture says, because they don't give you any reasoning or any sources. They just they just stuff it down your throat, and you've got to accept it. Well, you have got no choice. And, and I love the next verse, verse 28. He says, "And I and I will desecrate Kodesh, the holy ministers, the holy officers." So, you know, we've got these people who have presented themselves as we're the, we're the holy rabbis. You have to accept what, what I say. Mm-hmm. And God prophesies that he will desecrate them, that he will, um, you know, he doesn't want this intermediary between us. Can, can I share something that happened in, in you know, that, that for me was kind of a formative experience? Um, it was something I encountered. It's actually something my father said, which was really profound. He was a rabbi, an Orthodox rabbi. He definitely didn't agree with, uh, you know, what I teach about the rabbis, obviously. But he once explained something to me really interesting. You've got this concept in rabbinical Judaism of, of, of how power, which illustrates how powerful this interpreter, this intermediary is. And, and the idea is if you come into a situation in your life where you don't know what to do. You don't know how to apply the commandments. And really, it might go either way. Then what you're supposed to do is go ask a rabbi. And whatever answer that rabbi gives you, uh, and of course, it has got to be an orthodox rabbi who's, you know, ordained by another rabbi. Whatever answer that rabbi gives you, according to my father of blessed memory, the way he described it, it's as if that answer was the word of God for you. And what does that mean? Which is a really powerful statement. So before you go any further. Yeah. I just want to be clo- let me do it
1: clear. I'm going to slow you down a little bit here. So. Your father, who who was an Orthodox rabbi, is teaching you and he's telling you that if you get into a situation where you don't know the answer, a practical life circumstance right. or something like that, right. you go to the rabbi and you get the answer. Right. But when you get the answer, that answer is binding. It's 100%
0: binding and the phrase he uses, as if that's the word of God. No, wait, No, is this something your father just made up or is this no, something that, he I mean, read? Is, this is, this is a pretty is standard from? teaching. That I don't know if that you know, that phraseology was his or, or other people's. But definitely this is a very standard idea that when that you have this whole actual literature in, in, the, in um, rabbinical history called responsa. Responsa is when you ask a formal question of the rabbi, it's usually in writing, and he gives you a formal answer. And that formal answer is binding on you. You cannot go ask another rabbi, even though you may know another rabbi will give you a different answer. Um, we should have asked that, first, that other rabbi in the first place. <laughs> okay. um, but once you get the formal answer from the rabbi, it's binding on you. And you don't have to think anymore. You might say, "Oh man, I don't know if I should do this. I'm not sure. I feel right doing this." And I'll just give you an example, uh, like a very trivial example, the trivial example, the type that rabbis will bring. You know, I'm cooking soup for 500 people, and um, you know, and and it's Friday afternoon before Shabbat, and a fly falls in the soup, and I can't find the fly. And it sounds like a ridiculous thing, but this happens in real life. Well, flies are not biblically permissible. Do I spill out, you know, 500 liters of soup, or you know, 500 gallons of soup, or do I, or however much it is? Or do I, uh, or, or do I continue to cook it and serve it and tell people if you come across the fly, don't wor- you know, don't eat it, but otherwise we're not going to worry about that. So that's something you go and ask a rabbi, and that's actually the type of question that people ask. And like, if you go to yeshivas around the world where they cook for hundreds of people, or do De- Orthodox Jewish caterers, they deal with this type of thing on a daily basis. This is not so a hypothetical situation. So they ask the situation. question, they get the answer, and the rabbi may go- come and look at the soup, and he'll say no. Uh, you got to spill the whole thing out or no, you don't. And different rabbis may get dif- different answers depending on the situation um, and um, depending on all kinds of factors and, and considerations and situations. But whatever the answer the rabbi gives, you can't go shop and go to another rabbi. It's binding upon you as if it's the word of God. That, mm-hmm. That's the doctrine, the teachings of the rabbis. Um, and I had this uh, you know, story that happened. In, I, when, I went to a Jewish high school, an Orthodox Jewish high school, and there was this couple there and the guy, he got the girl pregnant and it happens to be that they were um, stepbrother and sister. And so they went and asked the rabbi, what, can we have an abortion? And the rabbi said no. And really, that should have been the end of the story. What they did, though, was something really controversial for the Orthodox world. They went and asked the second rabbi. And this is, a new, this is something, the story people are watching. Oh, everybody in Chicago from my generation knows who these people are. I'm not going to say who they are, but everybody knows this story. Um, so they got the story. So they got the abortion based on the opinion of the second rabbi. And the sin in the rabbinical community wasn't so much that they got the abortion, but that they disobeyed the, t- the instruction of the first rabbi. And obviously people were upset they got the abortion too. But the real issue there was that they disobeyed the first rabbi. Because for them, it was as if that was the word of God. And they went and defied that word. And to me, this is exactly what it's speaking about here in Isaiah 43, verse, verse, uh, verse 27. Uh, your first father sinned. Um, and to me, maybe it's not the first Adam that it's talking about. It's, it, you know, and yours translates it as ancestors or fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have this idea in Hebrew of the collective singular meaning an entire category of people here, perhaps being referred to as father. And, um, and what it tells me is don't blindly follow rabbis and, and interpreters, these intermediaries, just because my ancestors did. Just because my ancestors blindly followed what these rabbis had to say doesn't mean that it applies, you know, that I have to. And you might say, oh, well, Isaiah's not talking about that. He's talking about, you know, what was going on in his day. But actually, what was he talking about? He was talking about the priests at the high places or Mm -hmm. even the priests at the temple who were sinners. Mm -hmm. The priests at the temple would say, you know, yeah, you've got to come worship the sun image. And, you know, we hear that in the time of Josiah, that there were were idols actually in the temple itself. Um, So there might be these intermediaries, these interpreters, who were in their day as well. And they were told, look, you can't just go and and follow what you read, heard read, you know, six years ago in the public reading in the Torah, you've got Mm -hmm. to obey what the rabbi says. You don't know what it means. You don't have the right to interpret it yourself. You can't understand it by yourself. Mm -hmm. You need the rabbi. You need the interpreter. And God Mm -hmm. says, Let's get rid of these interpreters. They sinned against me. They've transgressed against me. I don't want them standing between me and you. I'm going to desecrate them Mm -hmm. in verse 28.
1: Well, then when you get to 44.1, this is one of my, one of the verses that I just, I really, really love this verse because it reminds me of who he is and not only who he is, but how he deals with us. It says, but now listen, and he uses the word Shema, just like in Deuteronomy. Listen, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel whom I have chosen. Then it says, thus says Yehovah, who made you, informed you from the womb, who will help you, do not fear. And whenever I see that word form I was reminded over and over and again we see this example of him being the one who's the potter you know he takes the clay and he's and he and he takes the the people and he begins to mold them and shape them and 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 do all these wonderful Where do you things.
0: get that from this word? No no
1: no I'm saying the idea <laughs> I'm sorry to So for when I when I see this first of all I say okay is this is this the same word so then I go same to Isaiah word. 44 44:2 yeah. and I say it's the word uh, the
0: to form the Yotser the one who's forming in other um, words, the, the literal meaning of this word to form is to uh, to form a pot. Exactly, uh, you know, for it's, a potter forming a pot out of clay. Exactly. Play.
1: So the idea, though, when I see this, I'm all, I'm just reminding myself I want to slow down a little bit because what I've seen in my process is that um, he's taken a pot of clay, me, yeah. uh, and and he's and, and at different times he's had to push some parts of me in and and polish some other parts of me, and I'm still in a process. I'm a, I'm am I'm, I'm clay in the process. And I think, again, that's why this whole process of us sharing the word of God is a bit of humility for me. I don't see us as a finished product. I don't see that somehow I've got all the wisdom and knowledge and understanding and I can just give this. And now you can just follow that. But that all of us would take the process of being formed that Jehovah himself would say. But now listen. Here's what you did. Here's what was going on. But now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I've chosen. Thus says Yehovah, who made you and who formed you in the womb, who who literally took you piece by piece. And he's, he's shaping you. He says, and, and he says, and he, who will help you. Do not fear, O oh Jacob, my servant. And then comes this word that I don't know how you're going to get me past this <laughs> word. And then it says, now can I, can I give it in English? Sure. Okay. It says, who is, who, do not fear, O oh Jacob, my servant. And you, Jeshurun whom i have chosen yesh-run is what you got that's what it has jeshurun what do you have in your, in your? i have yeshurun yeshurun now is there i don't know
0: you're not going to probably allow this as the word of the week i don't know if you even we could do this as the word of the week this is a really sure, interesting absolutely. Thing. like
1: how are you supposed to know what this is now, yeah
0: so get? i mean so it's interesting that you say that cuz uh, i grew up uh, in west rogers park in, in chicago and the synagogue where we used to pray when i was very young was called yeshurun really yeah it was a synagogue no okay so tell us it, about it was, this it was book. across the you know there was a park and, and on the other side of the park was mm-hmm. the synagogue And um, Yeshurun,
1: whom I've chosen, it says. Right. Okay. So tell us who.
0: And we knew Yeshurun is a name for is is a nickname for Israel. No, tell us through the process. What do you mean you knew that? Meaning it was it was like the name of the synagogue. How how do the people? How do the people know that? We just know. (laughs) But in Hebrew, you see the similarity. You see the connection. Yes. So, for first of all, Yishurun appears um, four times in the Tanakh. Deuteronomy yes. thirty-two fifteen is the first uh, example. It says, uh, and Yishurun grew fat and he kicked, etc., mm-hmm. etc." Deuteronomy thirty-three five, um, and there was in Yishurun a king, and then Deuteronomy thirty-three twenty-six, um, there is none like the God of Yishurun, and it's very clear that this is referring to Israel. And Isaiah forty-four two is actually the only time outside of the Torah, outside of Deuteronomy, that yes. it appears. Um, so how do we get from Israel to Yishurun? Well, Israel in Hebrew is Yisrael, yes, and you say Yishurun um, is a poetic poetic form of it. But what's the connection? So they're both, um, have, they both have; they both appear. They're visually similar in Hebrew, even though they don't sound similar. And specifically, the root of um, of uh, well what what is the root of the name Israel it's mm-hmm. it's sarar seen resh which means to strive to struggle maybe to wrestle and the for, for, uh, the root of the word yishurun is yud shin resh mm-hmm. which means straight yes. or honest inte- integral to have integrity um, often we'll hear the word integrity in the English, and the word is yashar in Hebrew. Yeshar, yeshar. <laughs> Yeah, right. When you drive in the, in the roads in Israel, yeshar, and you, it yeshar. zigzags yeshar. all over the place, but you're staying on the same road. You say mm-hmm. yeshal, yashar man yeshal, mm-hmm. straight, straight the whole time. Straight. It's called straight, even though the road turns because you're on the same road, because um, Jerusalem is mountainous. Um, so uh, Yeshurun is literally the straight one mm-hmm. um, the, the one of in, the, per, the, the one of integrity But the connection is because Yisrael and Shurun Both have the three letters Yud, Shin, Resh Yes Now, here's where it gets a little complicated Yisrael is Yud, Sin, Resh mm-hmm. And this is Yud, Shin, Sin. Resh mm-hmm. Now you say, wait a minute They're not from the same root One is Sin, Resh, Resh And the other is Yud, Shin, Resh They're linguistically not connected And that's 100% true Meaning, if you go and you look at a grammar and a dictionary, if you even asked an ancient Israelite, are these from the same root? They'd say, no, of course not. Um, one is straight and one is to struggle, to strive. Um, however, they sound similar. Uh, and in fact, obviously, in certain dialects of Hebrew, I say obvious, but maybe it's not to some people. The sheen and the seen were both sound pronounced the same. For mm-hmm. example, for the Ephraimites, they both pronounced. Shibboleth and shibboleth. Right. So <laughs> so, so uh, an Ephraimite would have said, not Yishirun, but Yisurun. But the other Israelites were able to distinguish those sounds. But they were similar enough that. There could be this play on words. And a play on words in Hebrew, uh, a nickname like this is is often not based on what we would expect from a modern linguistic derivation, a modern grammatical explanation, but it's based on something that sounds similar. An example I love is Jabez. Mm -hmm. In Chronicles, it says he's called Jabez. Because he was born in, in sorrow, and if you look in the Hebrew, the word sorrow and the word Jabez, um, one is ayin uh, ayin yabets, is ayin bet sadi, and the other is ayin sadi bet. The letters are actually switched. What's going on? It sounded close enough for somebody to make mm-hmm. that give that name explanation. Mm-hmm. And here it's close enough that this could be a nickname. Now here is where it's really interesting to me. Um, you know, we've got this uh, situation with the name Bave where people say we don't know the vowels. The vowels have been lost, mm-hmm. and then they come up with the explanations of what the name is. Is it Yahweh? Uh, or is it Yahua? Or and often it's going to begin Yah because we know in Hallelujah that's the poetic say poetic poetic it's the poetic form of the Father's name Yah as in Hallelujah or Kesiah the we have the first time in Exodus mm-hmm. is the um, the uh, the throne of Yah. And no and, and the poetic form is not disputed, meaning those who, who know Hebrew, I should say, have never disputed the poetic form because it was never forbidden to speak. It was only the full form Yudhe Vaveh which was which was uh, forbidden. Mm-hmm. Um, now imagine if all you had was the poetic form of the name and you came up with Yahweh, that's you know now let's apply that to Israel. Let's say we didn't know how to pronounce Yisrael. Exactly. Let's say there was a superstition in ancient Israel in which it didn't happen, but imagine if there was a superstition in ancient Israel where they said you cannot say the name Yisrael. Right. You must only call her Jacob. And so we come to the letters, you'd seen Reish Aleph Lamed, and we say, we don't know how to say it. Let's figure out how to say Yisrael. You'd seen Reish Aleph Lamed. And you, did, you had no idea, mm-hmm. except you knew that the nickname was Yishurun. Mm-hmm. So then you would, you would maybe perhaps very logically say, oh, Yishurun, and mm-hmm. we've got these three yes. letters. It should be Yishurul. Mm-hmm. Yishurul. And that's not a joke. Mm-hmm. Yishurul. Um, as opposed to, you know, um, Israel. Yisrael, yes. right. Yeah. And, and the, thank, thank the creator of the universe that the name Yisrael was not forgotten in the pronunciation of Hebrew. And there's no dispute about it. Um, but if there were, we might end up with people who we'd have the Yishiru people, Yishiru people, people, and we'd have the Yashirah people, and, then and somebody we'd have would the Yoshiru people. And
1: somebody would come along and say, after looking in the ancient Hebrew manuscripts, I actually found some examples where we see Yisrael, and they'd say, "No, no, we can't look at can't the Hebrew manuscripts. We've got to go written. listen to the
0: Samaritans, <laughs> yeah. and we've got to go listen to the the Greeks <laughs> yeah, exactly. and the uh, you know yeah. these various other you yeah. know, the Church Fathers the Christians." And and I say, "Let's look at the Hebrew manuscripts." And thankfully, we know how to say Yisrael and Yishurun and they don't actually sound all that similar That's to us. Great Maybe example. in English, but in That's Hebrew, they're example. they're very very similar. And we can't just look at a, the poetic form of a name. We've got to see how it was actually preserved in the Hebrew manuscripts. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So
1: here we go. So 44.3 says, for I shall pour out water on the thirsty and streams on the dry ground. And then I, I, don't, I don't know why this kind of stuff just gets me. And then in and then, and the next phrase says, for I shall pour out my spirit. On your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Now I thought we were going to talk about the Tanakh. Why are you reading to me from the New Testament? No, I'm reading right out of Isaiah chapter 44, verse. God's three. going to pour out His he spirit upon Israel, upon the, out the my Jews. Spirit upon your offspring and oh. my blessing. And Come you can, on it's, with it's that. interesting. It says, it says, it says, it says, I will pour out water and streams. I will yeah. pour out spirit and blessing. Like when I read that, yeah. I just, you know, I see, I see what's happening. It's like the blessing is the spirit. You know, the streams. Well, is he's going to pour it out like exactly. water. That's like water, point. absolutely. And so and this one will say, I am Yehovah's and that one will call on the name of Yaakov and another will write on his hand. And this is another example. I'm not going to let you talk about this or not. You'll go on and on. But uh, (laughs) it says that this one will say, I am the Lord's and they will say we'll call on the name of Jacob and another will write on his hand belonging to Yehovah and will name Israel's
0: name. With honor. I mean, whoa, whoa, whoa. No no, 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 no. No, and he will be called by the name Israel. How uh-huh. He'll be called by the name Israel. Right. So wait a minute. So who are these people who are going to be called by the name Israel? Presumably it's people who aren't part of Israel who are going to mm-hmm. come, mm-hmm. and they're going to say, look, i got to be part of this. Yes. I've got to be called Israel. I need to embrace the God of Israel, and I need to... Uh, and why would they write on their hand Yehovah? And, and we don't know for sure. Um, but one explanation is that in ancient times, a slave would write on they, they would write on his hand the name of his master. So yep. if he ran away, they'd grab his hand and they'd say, oh, you belong to, you know, um, uh, Josiah. We're going to take you back to Josiah. Isaiah forty nine sixteen down there. Yeah, Isaiah forty nine sixteen. 16. Yep. And so here, in any event, the person is writing on his hand, belonging to Jehovah to indicate, look, I'm jehovah's I'm his. I'm his mm-hmm. servant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Isaiah 4916. You want to read it? No, go ahead. You want me to read it? Yeah. Um, So in the JPS, see, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Your walls are ever before me. I think this is actually a passage we're going to get to in one of the sections. So let's save that discussion. That's a really interesting discussion. Yeah. But yeah, we have this other idea. Um, Anyway, I think that's a separate thing. But Mm -hmm. when I was in Kathmandu, and you know this story. Um, go to my website, com. There's a study there on shaving, but it actually also talks about tattoos. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I did in Kathmandu is, I, uh, is they, were, they have this thing where they do these temporary tattoos called henna. And I would have argued with you if you'd done it. So I went and I had them write in henna, temporary tattoo. It lasts about two or three weeks. I had them write belonging. Well, they weren't able to write belonging. But they wrote Yehovah based on this verse. And it was such a blessing. I was I was walking around Kathmandu for a few days and people it would stop me all over. And they'd say, wow, you know, we see these... Um, You know, we see the henna tattoos all the time, and they're usually dedicated to the various gods, but we've never seen anything like this Hebrew writing um, or they didn't know it was Hebrew writing. They said, what is this? I said, this is the name of my God. And they said, well, who's your God? I said, he's the God of Israel, the God of the Jews, the Jehovah the creator of heaven and earth. And, and and I've told this story before, and and it really excites me. I, um, you know, I had these two people who said, can you bless us in the name of this God? <laughs> 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 and I pre- recited over them the priestly blessing with Jehovah inscribed upon my arms. Wow. But that was pretty Amazing. cool. But there's a great discussion over there on EchemisWall.com about the whole issue of tattoos. And go read it. Okay, awesome. Now, do you want to take a, take a moment to talk about uh the ministry. Do you want to? Do, sure. Well, you go. Ahead. go ahead. You go first.
1: No, go ahead. You're right in. You're in the, you're in, the you're in the flow of it.
0: Well, so I mean, this is what it's about for me. It's empowering people with it. My ministry is Macor Hebrew Foundation. Macor is the Hebrew word for source, and it's about for me getting to the source. Um, you know, it also means the source of uh, a, a spring of water because mm-hmm. it's a source of water. And here, you know, Yehovah talks about He's going to pour out His spirit like water, and I want to encourage people and and, and empower people. To when you feel that spirit, don't do what I did for all those years, which was I'd feel that spirit and I'd be like, no, we can't deal with that. That's not part of my heritage. That's not part of my tradition. That's that's those other people who don't know any better, who don't have the knowledge. So for me, it's not just about information. It is empowering people with information, but also giving you the information so that when you feel that spirit, that you are open to, that you're not going to shut the door in God's face, that you're open to uh, embracing so that So that spirit. aspect
1: of the ministry. That yeah,
0: absolutely. That, really. That's a key part of the ministry. There's information and there is inspiration. And what I've learned from you is when you take information and you take inspiration, then you become open to revelation. Amen. And that's what the ministry is about for me, McCore Hebrew Foundation, com, And, uh, yeah, that's, you know, this is what I want to do. I, want, I don't want people to come to me and say, Nehemiah. You are the great teacher. Teach us. Mm. Teach us what we should know. I'm not the rabbi. Uh, in fact, I'll have people write to me all the time. Rabbi Gordon, I say, uh, I'm sorry, my father passed away. He won't be able to get this message. But if you have something you want to say to me, mm. I'm not a rabbi. Um, I am simply someone who who can, you know, I, I've, I've been blessed with information and had the opportunity to read ancient Hebrew texts and, and to uh, and, you know, to understand ancient Hebrew culture. Mm-hmm. And so I want to empower people that, with that information so that they can do it themselves. And I love the image. And I keep going back to it. My name is Nehemiah and I'm named after the guy who lived thousands of years ago, who built the wall. And, and it's interesting. He didn't actually build the wall. He stood up there. And he uh, set up a situation so that the people could build the wall themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He set it up so that he had the trumpeters to warn the people, and they, but the people actually did it themselves. And they had the building implement one hand and the and the and the and the weapon of defense in the other hand. Mm-hmm. And if the enemy came to attack, then they'd troun- sound the shofar, and um, and the people could defend themselves. Mm-hmm. So you know, it gave them both this uh, this you know foundation, but also a defense. And that's what I want to do: empower people with information. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can build their faith on a solid foundation, That uh, build that wall, but also defend their faith, defend the oh, word man. of Yehovah. I oh, mean, you know, it's so interesting, Nehemia, that we're here. And actually, this date, as we mentioned, is uh, the
1: 21st, I believe, 21st of March, yeah. which has a number of things going on. Not only the Aviv, also, I don't know if you know it or not, but um, it's possible that you'll be stuck here on the 22nd because uh, it's uh, possible that the, when the... the uh, the, the sun turns dark, uh, that could be the end.
0: It's all over. Oh, so there's an eclipse the day this is day So the day they're reading this section in the in, in yes. synagogues around the world, there's an eclipse. Yeah, well, I, and, this is my thing. I want talk eclipse, right? to talk about it. It's my turn to talk about it. Let me talk about it.
1: So <laughs> here we are. We're here, we're here. Actually, we're going to be on tour. Uh, BFA is on its third tour. Um, we got people from around the world that are coming. And we actually called it the Signs of the Times tour because we knew that this great eclipse was going to take place. And I told people what better place to be than in Israel when it all goes down. But you know, it's, it's really kind of funny because we, for the last year I've been doing, I did a teaching on the four blood moons. And this is one of the big parts of the four blood moons is that you've got the the, the blood moon that took place at the, 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 the Jewish feast, they call it. And then now you have the first day of the, uh, the the new year, which they're saying now is going to be this solar eclipse. And people are connecting that with the, the super moon that's going to take place in the, in the fall feast. And, and all of it is in my opinion, in my humble opinion, uh, an attempt to try to not only help people understand time, but rather to take away God's time and really to put forth something else. So I did a teaching called Four Blood Moons. Uh, Mania. So you're against the blood moons? I, not against the blood moons. I'm I'm for understanding God's time. Okay. And what I think they've done as a result of this whole blood moons is to dramatize and to make it into something that really I don't I can't find. But I did do a teaching, and yeah. it's available in our premium content library called The Four Blood Moons. But what I like about what we're doing right now is we're really giving people a chance to what I call interact with it. So in other words when when you when you hear something that's one thing, but if you can hear it, see it and 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 interact with it, what better way of learning. And so what I we do at the BFA uh, International is there's an entire series of now 50 presentations, 50 high-quality presentations that have been on Christian television. That have been all over the world, and they're available for people in the premium content library. But even if they don't do that, they can go to bfainternational.com and interact with a number of things that will help them where they can get to know this whole inspiration. Now, for my little statement on the 21st, which is going to be the 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 the, the sun uh, turning to darkness. If we're here on the 22nd, then I want people to 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 consider. Uh, adding a little something more to their toolbox which is giving them a chance to have some access to some more information which we'll talk about a little bit later but the BFA International website is based on one thing inspiring people around the world to build a biblical foundation for their faith Period,
0: and if people can do that, wow! It won't really matter about what anyone thinks. You can, can look can I, at the scripture and, and be able to see it for yourself. Can, can I? Can I put you on the spot here? uh Oh, so first of all, I, I'll be honest. I don't really follow the whole blood moon teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, what exactly is expected to happen? If, if you know, it depends.
1: It depends on who you talk to. A, a lot yeah. of people believe that the, the blood moons are an indicator of the end of the days, according to Joel. They would say Okay. the blood the moon will turn to blood, and the, the sun will turn to darkness. And this is the great and the okay. terrible. And what's day the other
0: will... people? What do they say?
1: Uh, other people would say it's based on, you know, the blood moons are getting an indicator of what's happening with Israel. So that basically mm. the blood moons have come. Historically, we've seen certain things take place with Israel during the time of the blood moons. Though they're not consistent with that. Yeah. But some of those have happened around But basically, time.
0: if we go through, and correct, like I said, I don't follow this teaching. I want, I want to get this straight. If we go through 2015 and nothing really big, major happens, mm. then w- were they wrong? Well, then they would probably, I think they'll come up with another su- suggestion. Like okay. know, maybe this But something a- big is supposed to happen on March 21st, right? Uh, well, no, that's where, well, that's... It's, Am I right? It's in the, pro-
1: it's in the process. It could be... A, some people would Look, say... Look, if March
0: 21st is just a regular day, does that mean that they were wrong? Or, like, I, I, like, I'm asking. I don't know. I'm asking. I, I, you know, Nehemiah I, I, I really don't know how far they go. I just know this. I want to know if something big happens on March 21st, there's the, the next Yom Kippur War, the next uh, six-day war, will you recant your four moons, blood moon teaching? Let me just say this. I'll be here on the
1: 22nd, and, and nothing will happen on the 21st. Wait, I, can, we not, can I quote this? The 22nd will come and go, as will the 23rd will come and go, and you and I will be in Israel, and there will be nothing that will be of epic proportion
0: that takes place on the 21st. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Keith Johnson mm-hmm. is making a prediction. I'm not, not making not, a prediction. Not, not, well, I'm I, actually I, going against the prediction. <laughs> right, so this is not a prophecy. This <laughs> no, is, oh, okay. it's not a prophecy.
1: This is, this is, See, let me just yeah. tell you something. What I learned in Scripture is this. is God has this amazing thing called the universe. Mm. It has Patterns and a beautiful, and what we're supposed to do is look at those and be like, "Wow, isn't he amazing? Look at what look look at the stars!" But it's all about him. What this does, in my opinion, is it takes it away from him and it gives it to somebody who says, "I've I've uncovered that this is actually a, a." Morse code from heaven that's actually going to let us know what's going that's to what happen with Israel. From We're going to throw Israel under the bus. And, and I mean, I'm kind of tired of that whole thing. Yeah.
0: I mean, so, look, yeah, I don't I don't rule out the possibility that when the great and terrible day of Jehovah happens, that it, there will be a blood moon. Because oh, okay. We got the verse in Joel. The great. moon will turn to blood. That's awesome. Um, I don't know that it's going to be this, you know, this year. Um, I don't rule it out as a possibility. Um, you know, here's what my perspective—the perspective I'm coming from—is I can trace back in Jewish forces, uh, Jewish sources, rather, back to the first century that people said this has to be the timing; it's got to be now. And because of this sign and because of that sign, and Jews have been persecuted and suffered for the last two thousand years every time they did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I want to be really, really careful here about yes. predicting times and predicting exactly. dates because it always ended in disaster mm-hmm. for for Jewish people. Having said that. I'm going I something. I wait, to no, do something. I've got to read this to you. So the day I arrived in Israel uh, last week, I picked up one of the free newspapers, mm-hmm. and um, they, they hand out these free newspapers. And in the free newspaper was an ad, a full or a half-page color ad, and it was a prophecy, a prediction by a Jewish uh, organization. Nothing to do with Christians, nothing to do with Messianics. These were uh, Jews in Israel, and, um, and they actually have a website, heaven358.com. I haven't gone to the website, but I read their ad. And in the ad, it says, Sunset in the United States, uh, or sorry, I, I read that wrong. Uh, it's the same word for sunset. The United States sinks underwater, or the sinking underwater will begin on the 17th of March, 2015. In the, uh, in the day that perhaps the, the, um, the, uh, the, the elections will take place in Israel, and it says, Hashem kvar Bachar, God Hashem has already chosen the Messiah, um, and basically it goes on to explain that, um, and actually specifically it mentions uh, a suit. It says specifically a mega tsunami from tsunami from Lake Michigan will wash over the area of Chicago on the seventeenth of March, twenty fifteen, as part of additional uh, events like, um, uh, and it says kimori Dota like uh, earthquake, uh, severe earthquakes. On biblical proportions that will uh, will uh, visit the world, and um, and it's basically this is the end times prophecy. Mm-hmm. It's saying the Messiah is going to come, and the, those events will begin actually after this is broadcast. So um, I think we're going to look back, and, and unless there's a mega, if there's a mega tsunami that uh, washes over Chicago, I'm going to come back and I'm going to say I was wrong, and these guys were right. But if not, then you know, honestly, this is just fear mongering. Oh. It really is. Um, it's sad to me that they're fear-mongering here. And I can I can imagine a lot of people coming. And this has nothing to do with Christian, nothing to do with messianics. This is all in Hebrew, all in an Israeli newspaper. Um, so um, are you going to say, so, so you, you, you're, you're, well, and you're it disagreeing it, with them? It quotes the, the ca- famous Kabbalistic rabbi, Rav Kaduri. It says, Rav Kaduri says, this is a prophecy of Rav Kaduri, that these things will happen on this exact date. Okay. So either Rav Kaduri is a true prophet and this will happen, or he's a false prophet. So I know some people that would say that because, yeah. he's, because he is who he is, then we, we must listen to him. We must follow him. Well, let's listen. And, and this, there's a biblical way to deal with this. We can listen. And if the mega tsunami doesn't wash over Chicago on March 17th, then Rabbi Kaduri is a false prophet. And with that, let's continue. I wish I could find, I, and I don't know about investing in things like that, but I understand there's this thing called shorting. Is there any way we can short Rabbi Kaduri? <laughs> <laughs> I, I need money. We must short Rabbi Kaduri
1: now for the because I'm pretty sure
0: this is not going to happen in Chicago. If it is, if it does happen, I will
1: repent. Okay. Now I don't know how we're ever going to get through the rest of this. I, I mean, this is like wait, wait and it goes on
0: here in this discussion. It talks about how this is the Shemitah year, so it has to happen this year. It's a whole thing to do with Shemitah. All right. Anyway. Okay, so where are it, we at here? Oh, we we got to get back to the oh verse. Oh, my Gosh, I, I, I'm still thinking about it will Chicago be washed away? At least I have no family in Chicago. Yeah, so <laughs> they've all left. Um, yeah, all right,
1: forty-four-six. Yeah, is that where we are. Uh, now, I will say this: you, you know, you can't. You, you know, if, I, if all we did was talk about this verse, we would we would be uh, we would be in line. Um, but it has this really really wonderful phrase. Um, it says. It says, thus says Yehovah, the king of Israel and his redeemer, uh, Lord of hosts, Yehovah, Tzavahot, I am the first and I am the last. Mm-hmm. And Amen. there is no God besides me. And I, this verse is such an amazing, it's such an amazing statement uh, of who he is. I am the first and I am the last. and There is no one, there is none besides me. Uh, I, what does yours your say? What, read, read it out of Hebrew, if you can,
0: in 44.6. Yeah. Melech Thus that. says Yehovah, mm. the King of Israel and its Redeemer, Yehovah of Hosts. Ani rishon, I am the first, v'ani acharon, and I am the last. Umi baladai en Elohim, and beside me there is no God. God. You guess, wow! I just let that—I I, I leave it then and then it says wow. in forty-four. Oh, seven, wait, wait, wait. Go ahead, go how, ahead. How could we not talk about this? Please go ahead, continue. <laughs> so, so first of all, I I, I always um, ask myself, what on earth, is, like, what's the context of this? Mm-hmm. And the context is no question that there was the you know there was this doctrine back in the time of of you know Isaiah. Uh, of yeah. Isaiah. Well, or specifically the people Isaiah is who is speaking to. Um, You know, he is speaking to Cyrus throughout some of these passages and Cyrus was a Zoroastrian and the Zoroastrians to this day, they still are still around and they believe that there were two gods, a good God and an evil God. And they both existed from time immemorial. They always existed. They actually didn't know about each other. They eventually learned about each other and decided to go into a fight to destroy each other. Um, And God here is saying, I am the first and I am the last. And besides me, there is no God. There Mm -hmm. is no Elohim. I'm the only Elohim. Jehovah is the first and the last. and He's the redeemer. He's the king. And, and, and look, we, can we talk about this phrase? It's an amazing phrase. He's the first and the last. There is no other God. Um, and so this appears in a number of passages. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we actually looked at the one where he said, yep. you know, uh, and there was a slight variation in the one that we looked at. But for example, this appears in, um, let's see, where is this? So we have uh, Isaiah forty-eight twelve. He says, listen to me, Jacob, and Israel, who uh, Mikorai, who, um, who is called by me, I am he. I am the first and even I am the last. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got this in a number of places. Isaiah 44, 6. Uh, Thus says Jehovah. Oh, that's this verse. That's, one sorry, verse in. Last, that's the verse we're looking at. And <laughs> the one we looked at before is Isaiah. I don't know if you looked at it before, but i read it uh, in preparing. Isaiah 41, 4. He says, I, Yehovah, am the first. And that's a slight variation where it says, I am with the last. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting statement. Uh, meaning, you know, maybe it's referring to eternal life and he'll be with us in the end time. Um, anyway, so uh, can, can I talk about the the elephant in the room, mm-hmm. which is that this appears in the New Testament? Okay, So it appears three times in Isaiah, and it also appears three times in Revelation. Um, in some manuscripts, it appears four times. I'm looking at the um, the, uh, the New Revised Standard Version, which is based on the nestle Allen 27th edition. Uh, Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come the almighty or the all powerful I love that mm-hmm. because that's that's wow I mean I read that in the book of Revelation look I'm not Christian I'm not Messianic this isn't my scripture but this is Revelation's one of the five books in the New Testament that most scholars or many scholars agree was actually written in Hebrew mm-hmm. um, and then translated into Greek so when it says I am the Alpha and the Omega well Hebrew Alpha and Omega is the first and last letter of the Hebrew alphabet mm-hmm. um, I'm sorry is the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet uh, if In the original Hebrew, it wouldn't have said Alpha and Omega. It would have said, I am the Aleph and the Tav. Mm-hmm. And why would it say that? It's the first and last letter. Um, says Lord God. Well, what's Lord God? Lord God is, a, is the translation of Adonai Yehovah or Yehovah Elohim. Mm-hmm. It's hard to know which one. Uh, probably Yehovah Elohim. Says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, which is exactly... The explanation in Jewish sources of the name Yehovah. Amen. Hayah, he was. Hoveh, he is. Yihyeh he will be. And some mm. people said, oh, no, this is completely different. Because this has he is to come and not he will be. But actually, to come and to be. Um, the Hebrew way of expressing it is you say, um, will be, and in Greek you would say to come or in English as well. For example, you say, and it came to pass in Hebrew, it literally says, and it was Mm -hmm. meaning Mm -hmm. uh, and it came to pass. It it was, it came, Mm -hmm. it came into existence. It happened. Um, so the Greek here, uh, has, I am the first and I am the last or alpha and omega in any event. And then, and, and I'm tying that to another verse that says first and last, um, but here it says, Ha <laughs> uh, Yahoo Exact yeah, explanation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yehovah yes. is saying, um, "Look, well, I, I should say, the book of Revelation is quoting Jehovah as saying, uh, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And that's in quotation marks. Now, of course, I didn't have quotation marks in the Greek, but it is a quote. It says, says the Lord God. Where did he say it? Mm-hmm. He said it in Isaiah. In Isaiah. <laughs> um, yeah. Revelation 21, 6. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water. And, and that's, that's Isaiah. It's the yep. same passage in Isaiah. Don't exactly. tell me he's not quoting Isaiah here or, or re- referencing Isaiah. The beginning and the end. And the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Oh, this is, a, this is a, uh, based on the passage in Isaiah. Revelation twenty two thirteen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last the beginning and the end and that again ties back to this verse in isaiah there's no question that there's there's a relationship here between the passage in revelation and the and the passage in isaiah and there's a there's a fourth passage which doesn't appear in some of the manuscripts which is revelation 111 people can look at that for themselves i think that's the one um hold on a second uh yeah um yeah oh i'm sorry one eight is a passage that doesn't appear in some of the manuscripts Mm -hmm. um so or it's one of those i don't know it's one of these verses that it, there's only three in—anyway, in, in, um, or the, at least the phrase Alpha and Omega doesn't appear, that's right, in uh, the NRSV, so which is based in the nestle Allen edition. So anyway, um, yeah, it's Revelation 11 that appears in some of the manuscripts, not the others. But here we have three times in Revelation, three mm-hmm. times in Isaiah, this mm-hmm. idea of God being the Aleph and the Tav, mm-hmm. the Alpha and the Omega, and uh, the, the first and the last— and um, and then revelation even explains what every Jew knows that Yehovah is hi yahovah he yeah he mm-hmm. was he is, and he will be uh, i'm excited what happens about what 's so interesting whenever I see that
1: verse is it I just remind I'm, again I always make it practical. So he was, that means those difficulty parts of my life in the past, he mm, is yeah. whatever he's dealing with right now. And the thing that's even more, more exciting is he shall be, he already knows he, what's, yeah. what's up there. You and know, he'll and be with and you he'll in f- be in the future. And, yeah, You're I not alone. With, that's yes. what the
0: name means, Yehovah. Yeah. You know, he says, and, you know, I will be with
1: you. It's interesting, you know, and I mean, we find this phrase over and over again, but where he says, and I will be with you, tells Joshua, I will be with you and I will be with you And this one. And I will be with you. And it's like, they, they wouldn't know. Oh boy. It's like. He's saying, I will be with you. That's that's his name. Like, his yeah. name is I will be with you. Well, and it's
0: also yeah. what Aleph Tav or Rishon and Achaon, first and last, means. Yes. He was from time immemorial before time existed. Yes. yes. He will be in the end, and he is the one right Amen. now. Amen. It's not that we had one God who created the world, and he retired. And Acts, actually, by the way, I was recently in, in, in Nepal yeah. and in Cambodia, and they've got the Hindu religion there. And they actually have this idea of a trinity where there's three gods that are the same god, but they have three different it's three Aspects. different statues or three different you know names mm-hmm. there's the one who created the world mm-hmm. there's the one who sustains the world right now and there's the one who will destroy the world mm-hmm. at the end mm-hmm. that's the the Hindu idea um, it's almost like they took the idea from the Tanakh and they perverted it they corrupted it mm-hmm. and they twisted it it's the same God mm-hmm. Hayahovah yeah he is the one who is he is the one who who was? He is the one who will be. You know, it's funny. Uh, whenever he I is think box, about this, box. I think this phrase. I think about uh, a little bit of sports
1: because you know, in, in yeah. sports, there's this, this sort of competitive thing. You know, they're box. They're about to be a boxing match, and then the one boxer will stand up and say, "And, and this is what he did." And battle and the other one will stand up and say, "This is what he did." And it's funny because the phrase goes on. He says, "I'm the first and the last. There is no life, there is no god besides me." And then he continues. He continues in 447. Who yeah. is like me? Go ahead, proclaim yeah. it. You know, you like me. Tell me about it. There's another one. Who is he? (laughs) Anyway, I like the phrase. I just, it just, I don't know. Kind of, and back in my day, you know, it's like God is 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 letting it be known. Hey, this is who I am.
0: You know well, I mean, now is it possible when he says who is like me he, he's really there's a secret meaning here that there is someone else like him no. and he's challenging us to figure out the riddle. No, I think he's taunting them <laughs> he's taunting them okay <laughs> yeah. um, and I know we, you know I, I don't I, we I, I guess we have some
1: more we've got to go over here yeah, let's, um, let's, and people you know people are going to have to to continue but you pick pick your pick your passage here
0: yeah so how far does this go it goes uh, to, let let me, yeah. oh my gosh there's so much yeah. to talk about yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're you're right we got to we got to just pick yeah. a few things and, and cut it short. So let's just read uh, verse 8 the end there it says Hayish yeah. Eloha bi baladai vein is there an aloha? and it's interesting it's in yes. the singular. Yes. Technically it's pronounced Eloah. It's her- Eloah. Eloah. Is there an Eloah, a, a singular God, not Elohim, Eloah, besides me, and a rock that I did not know about? In other words, I'm the only Eloah. There's mm-hmm. only one. Amen. Um, and uh, let's skip ahead to verse 15. Or yeah. Do you have something to well, talk I about just want to verse? say this.
1: I think real quickly, what I would like to challenge people to do is I just think this is a great passage that, when he's talking about fashioning the graven image and what happens and how it works and what people do. And I just think that, again, it's a great, clear example of what they were doing. You know, And you have to ask yourself the question, this is what they were doing. Is there a place where that's being done today? So mm-hmm. that's that's as much as i want people to, to look at. But it's right. just a very, very clear. Fashioning the God, casting the idol,
0: et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you're, so I'm skipping ahead to verse 15. Yeah, like go ahead. around 15. Yep. Do you have anything before that that you nope. want to talk nope. about? No, nope. that? no, nope. that's fine. Okay. So hold on a second here. So 15 and 16. We've got a really interesting word that I just got to talk about under a okay. certain... All right. Let me read the JPS. All this serves man for fuel. It's talking about the idols. Yep. He takes some to warm himself and he builds a fire and bakes bread. He also makes a god of it and worships it. Being the same tree Mm -hmm. you use for for fire, you also, you know, defeat yourself, you also make a god of it. He also makes a god of it and worships it, fashions an idol and bows down to it. Mm -hmm. Part of it he burns in a fire. On that part he roasts meat. He eats the roast and is sated. He also warms himself and cries. Ah, I am warm. I can feel the heat. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it, it he's, he is no question taunting them he's too, yeah. um, These idolaters who are, you know, heating themselves with their, the same material as their god. Of the rest, he makes a god. His own carvings, verse 17. He bows down to it and worships it. He prays to it and cries, save me for you are my god. And mm-hmm. isn't that, I think there's something mm-hmm. really profound here mm-hmm. that there's this um, innate human... A, a need to feel salvation, to know that God is saving you, mm-hmm. and if we can't get that salvation from the Creator of the universe, we'll go and we'll make our own idols mm-hmm. and 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 delude ourselves to think we're saved from those um, those idols. And uh, I think it's really interesting, something that's lost in, in the English here, which is in verse fifteen and sixteen. It has a very unusual word for bow down. Mm. It's a word that's it's a rare word in biblical Hebrew, um, and it, it, and it's the word actually. Let me see how many times it appears in Tanakh. It appears uh, 17 times in the whole Tanakh, and the word that normally translate is translated as bow to bow down as lihishtachavot. Mm-hmm. and this is the word yiskad. And anybody who knows Arabic will immediately recognize this is the word that in English is translated as mosque. Mm. In fact, mosque is a translation into English of masjad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, they couldn't pronounce that. Or in, actually, in, in uh, Egyptian Arabic, it was masjad, which became mosque mm-hmm. in English. It's actually an Arabic word, mosque. Um, and so literally, it says, he will mosque. He will bow down to the idol. He will prostrate and to pray to him and say, save me, for you are my God. So... Uh, uh, I got to wonder here. There's this unusual word referring to an idol, referring to a false god. And it's saying people will mosque before this god. They'll bow down to it. And it uses this. Is this wow. Is, could this be prophetic? Wow. That's referring amazing. Referring to amazing. people who think they're going to be saved, bowing down to yeah. uh, mosquing before a god. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, anyway, in verse 20, we jump ahead. And it says, mm-hmm. And it, it can't save his soul. Um, this mm-hmm. this idol that we're talking about. Um can you read verse twenty-one? Yeah, remember these
1: things, O Jacob and Israel. For you are my servant; I have formed you. There's that word again. Mm-hmm. You are my
0: servant, O Israel. You will not be forgotten by me. Whoa! Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I love it. And again, and, and, I, and I, I just, I just got to say here, we won't be forgotten by him as long, no. you know, as as long as the Israelites remember jehovah and, and and we don't, um, you know, don't forget him. Mm. He's not going to forget us. Yeah well you know it's interesting it
1: goes back to the thing earlier it says I, I've wiped out your transgressions like a thick cloud and yeah. your sins like a heavy mist mm-hmm. return to me for I have and then there's this great word I have redeemed you um, so um, now the last you know again we have, we have this this uh, what I, you like to say he likes to end on a good note yeah uh, what, what a great way to end yeah <laughs> what does it say <laughs> shout for joy oh heavens for Yahovah has done it. Shout joyfully, you lower parts of the earth! Break forth into a shout of joy, you mountains, O oh forest, and every tree in it! For Yahovah has redeemed Jacob, and in Israel He shows forth His glory. How many times, Nehemia, do you think, even in this passage, have we seen the word redeemed or some aspect of redemption? Um, that's a good question. That's right. it, I mean, there's it, it, it. I see it here in 23. I see it in 22. We see it earlier. Um, I don't have the verse right off the top of my head. I will tell you one of my little one of my little challenges is, is I don't have my Suitcase, and I don't have my um, I don't have my uh, all of the things that I had for for this. I'm supposed to get my suitcase today, allegedly, which I'm allegedly <laughs> which I'm stuck in Hong Kong. But it's funny. I'm at 24, percent and I'm like, yeah. okay, but we've got we got, <laughs> we got to know more, more. We got to try you to better real about. quick. Yeah, we got to well, do you, it you, you turn off your yeah, computer and, off and, and,
0: I, and I'll talk. Yeah. Uh, well, I got I got to bring this up, and I, I know like we've probably gone over the time, and um, yeah, that's okay. You know, so I, I got to bring this up. This last verse has a really interesting image mm. of the mountains shouting out about the the redemption, and the heavens are going to shout out about the redemption of Israel. Mm. Um, and the reason I want, to, I want to bring this up is earlier in the passage we heard about that people will make this false god and they'll mosque to it. They'll yeast god. He mm-hmm. will bow down he'll prostrate himself using the word describing idolatrous worship, idolatrous bowing down. Because there's legitimate bowing down, by the way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know, in, even in Orthodox Jewish synagogues on Yom Kippur, they do full prostration. Mm-hmm. Same as Muslims. And um, the difference is we're bowing down to Jehovah, the creator of the universe. Mm-hmm. And here it's talking about in this passage about masking yourself. It's a different word in Hebrew is my mm-hmm. point. When you mosque ma- yourself, when you bow down to the false God. And, and, and I think it's, I can't believe it's an accident that verse 23 uh, is taken in Islam and it's twisted and turned 180 degrees around to mean mm-hmm. the exact opposite of what it says. Let me read you verse 23 one more time in the English. I'll read it from the JPS. Um, you know what, I'm going to read it from a Christian translation because maybe mm-hmm. maybe a Muslim listening to this will say, yeah, you Jews who twisted it. Here's what the, how the Christians translate Isaiah 43, or Isaiah 44, th- sorry, verse 21. Uh, is that the verse one? No, um, sorry, verse 23. Um, they say, sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord, which is Yehovah in the mm-hmm. Hebrew, hath done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, ye mountains, O forest, and every tree thereon. For Jehovah or the Lord, has redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. So the very trees, the very mountains will shout out, Yehovah has redeemed Israel. Mm-hmm. And what does Islam take it? This is a very famous uh, uh, Islamic statement. It's actually even in the Hamas charter. Mm-hmm. It says, The day of judgment will not come about until Muslims fight Jews and kill them. Mm-hmm. Then the Jews will hide behind rocks and trees. Mm-hmm. And the rocks and trees will cry out, Oh, Muslim, there is a Jew hiding behind me. Come and kill him. So instead of what the Tanakh says, that the trees and the mountains and the, and, and the rocks will shout out, Israel is redeemed. Um, they are going to shout out, there's a Jew hiding behind, behind me. Come and kill him. Mm. In the Hebrew scriptures, the mountains and forests will cry out, Yehovah has redeemed Jacob and he, Yehovah, will glorify Israel. Mm. What a different spirit between the Tanakh mm. and mm. between this doctrine wow. of Islam. It's a completely wow. different spirit. Wow. One is... Uh, bowing down in full prostration before Yehovah, the creator of the universe, on the holy mountain. And, and, and here's the picture in my mind. There, there, you can, there are these aerial photographs they've taken during Islamic prayers where all the Muslims are on Temple Mount and they're bowing down to Mecca with their backs to the temple, to mm-hmm. backs to, to the place where the temple stood in a different direction to a different situation, mm-hmm. as opposed to bowing down, they're mosking mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. their God. Wow. Different well, spirit. Let me say this: um, we're at we're at the we're on. Like I said, this
1: is a day that's uh, uh, interesting on a, a bunch of different levels. Great people are going to be able. Lord. Well, one the, one some people are going to be looking at it from that time, point. Some others are going to find out if it's the beginning of the biblical year. Yeah. Others are going to look at it and say, "Wasn't well, it the, the uh, equinox um, <laughs> coming?" <laughs> or something the day like before, that. yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of things that are going to be going on. I think uh, w- w- what both of us can say is is that um, it's a it's it's really a blessing to be in Israel during this time. Whatever it is that's happening, I mean, there's so much that's going on politically and all of that sort of stuff. But ultimately, scripture is ultimately where I where I really rest my my security. And in scripture, I can see over and over again God has an amazing plan. He's not going to forget His people, oh, and so I mean, it really is a blessing. If you like, you can, you know we can go back and forth. You can. I, pray. I, I
0: will end with prayer here. Awesome. Yehovah v'nushabashemai Yehovah, our Father in heaven, Yehovah atah shahaya Hovehieh. You are he who he was, he is, he will be. You are the one who was, who is, who who will be. You are the first and the last. You are the first letter that began the writing of all creation. You will be the last to write the end of all creation. Mm -hmm. Jehovah, Creator, Father, Yehovah, I pray to you and ask you, pour out your Holy Spirit on us, Yehovah, like mm-hmm. water that quenches our thirst. Yehovah, mm-hmm. give us that Spirit, pour it out upon us as you spoke in the prophet Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Let us know your truth the way that David knew the truth through your Spirit, Yehovah. You are our Redeemer and our King, Yehovah. Let the rocks shout out and the trees shout out, Yehovah, the way you spoke, not the way that our enemies spoke, mm-hmm. but what it says in your word, let them shout out, Yehovah has redeemed Yaakov, and he, Yehovah, will glorify in Israel. Yehovah, it's for you. It's not for us, Israel, that this is all about. This is about glorifying you. Let those rocks and those trees shout out that Jehovah is glorified through Israel. Mm-hmm. Let us be worthy of glorifying you. We struggle with our internal fights and our internal problems and our internal uh, temptations, Yehovah, both as a people and individually, Yehovah, give us this... this Make us yeshar, make us straight, make Amen. us worthy of the name Yeshurun, the straight one, the one of integrity, that we can walk before you and give honor to your holy name, Yehovah. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For more information, please visit nehemiahswall.com and bfainternational.com.